All right, it's the Digital Side Hug. Uh, my name is David Rubio, and we are back with Mark DeVries. And we've got 35 minutes with with one of the guys that I, Mark, would consider to be on the Mount Rushmore of youth ministry wisdom. Mm. Can I say that? Oh, I love that. Is it, it, now, yeah. I, I, that's how I think of you because it, <laughs> I've been in youth ministry about 20 years, uh, not quite 20 consecutively, but my very first summer was the summer of 1994, and your book, Family-Based Youth Ministry, came out in either 94 or 95. 94, yeah. 94. So so right about the time I was getting in, everybody in youth ministry was talking about this book by this guy that is saying this radical idea that families matter more than our youth ministries and and it was really awesome. Um, so Mark, tell us who you are, where you are, what you do and and we'll go from there. Well, I'm in a uh, interesting season of transition. I uh after 28 years as a youth pastor at First Perez, just down the street from you here in Nashville, yep, yep. Um, I, August of this uh, this year, so about less than two months ago, yeah. uh, stepped out of that position, and I'm taking a year away from the church and uh, uh, allowing the new person to get some legs, and uh, I'll come back and be a volunteer in a year or so. Um, I also work with an organization called Ministry Architects, and so we work with churches uh, that are trying to build uh, sustainability and build yeah. momentum. Um, so started out as youth ministry architects, as you know, yep, and yep. Um, then uh, churches started asking us to do things with children's ministry and young adult ministry and their whole church. And so we're um, thrilled to get to you know walk alongside a lot of folks in ministry coaching and infrastructure building that kind of thing and i love that you refer to him as the new guy on staff yeah because it's guy. your son my son is the new guy that is so cool staff. so it, um, tell us about your family your wife your your son daughters i have this one wife and i have three children <laughs> um uh adam who is the new youth pastor at first press and uh he is married to sarah they have two kids parish and neely and uh just I just had lunch with Neely, three-year-old, at, oh, at Chick-fil-A great. across yeah. the street from me. Yeah. And uh, uh, and then we have uh, our daughter, Debbie, uh, who lives in in New Jersey. Okay. And her husband is a pastor. And they uh, she is finishing up her master's in dance. I don't oh, know. Cool. In your tradition, is that a bad thing? Oh, to, no, no. there's a lot of a lot of maybe, dancing. Maybe some dancing. Uh, not not just you know maybe none, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of ministers of dance in the churches of Christ. But you know, dance is a very very beautiful biblical concept. There you go. It's uh, in there. I'm really that's cool. That's so really she's neat. almost done with her masters, and then our baby Lee. Um, uh, she, uh, her name is Lee, our baby, whose name is Lee. Right. Uh, she has just, uh, just started seminary. Cool. So that's a little crazy. And uh, how, how old is she? She's 25. 25. Okay. Did you tell us your wife's name? Susan. Susan. Okay. So Mark and Susan, Susan, thank you for sharing your husband with us today. It is, it's an honor to have you on this podcast. <laughs> it really, really is. Uh, in fact, I should tell you, Deech Kirk was one of my first interviews yeah. in, uh, in, for the digital side hug. And when I asked him, we talked about the start of CYMT and how you sort of helped him or the two of you dreamed that idea up. Of course, he's directing that program now, and it's wonderful. 
And when I asked him, you know, about you on the podcast, he just he talked about the respect that he has for you as a man and as a father, and and I love that. I love getting to hear someone that knows. You know, for me, you've been this guy who wrote this book or these books, you know, other books as well that you've written. But this this big name that you know made this huge impact on the world of youth ministry. Um, Deach just knew you as a friend and mentor who, who says mm-hmm. he's the real deal and he's a great father. So I, I, you needed, I wanted you to hear that. Oh, that's, that's really cool. So it's an honor to have you on the podcast. Um, and let's start. I do this thing called a, a, a Blitzkrieg Get to Know Me. And I'm, I'm actually going to maybe ask you just some qu- quick hitters yeah. uh, this rapid time. Fire. Rapid, rapid fire. Rapid fire. That's right. So we're you starting. You want rapid fire answers. Well, you take as long as you need because yeah. some of these are really critical, uh, critical thoughtful, questions. Thoughtful All right. Questions. So the first question is this. Is there a movie that makes you cry? Oh yeah, just about every movie. Well, makes give us me the name of okay. Then what movie makes you cry the hardest or most often? Uh, uh, you know, I would have to say uh, Mr. Holland's Opus knocked oh, yeah. me out at the very end. You know where yes. they're they're all gathered surprising him. That that wiped me out. That's great. Is yeah. there a food that you kind of wish you were eating right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there always is a food I was <laughs> eating right now. Um, you know, right now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with fried pickles with some ranch oh, dip. That's that's exciting. I did not yeah. expect that to come. Yeah. Okay, favorite Queen song. Um, yeah, we are the champions. Is that a Queen song? It is. It's yes, the only absolutely. Queen song I know. Oh, it is one. It's a great Queen song that I actually have decided I'm not going to listen to again yeah. until the Memphis Tigers win the the NCAA basketball okay. national championship. You got your mud on your face. <laughs> Big disgrace. That's right. That, yeah. That's right. Uh, actually, that is technically We Will Rock You, but oh, they went together. Different. They played together. They, they, they used to songs. play on the radio together. Yeah, We oh. Will Rock You and We Are the Champions. Oh, I didn't it's, realize those were two different Because they were songs. always played back to back. Yeah. Uh, but no, they're two different songs. All right. Wow. Um, do you have a favorite moment in the song We Are the World? Mm. I'm going to have to go with whatever Michael Jackson was singing. Okay. Yeah. He sang the first chorus. There was. All right. Excellent. Uh, How early is too early for you in your home to listen to Christmas music? Anything before Thanksgiving. We're just not going to go there before Thanksgiving. Okay. So the Thanksgiving meal has been eaten. Everyone is processing Mm -hmm. their tryptophan. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it's okay to kick on the Christmas music. It's got to be the next day. Okay, the next day. All right. So Friday after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. All right. Very good. What actor would play you mm-hmm. in the movie about your life? Mm. Robin Williams would play me. <laughs> okay, would have played you. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. That's, the look on your face was really they, funny as you realized. Be, you know, they need to be alive. I guess. Yeah. To I mean, play me. you need as a long living. as this is a fantasy well, about Brad a movie. Pitt. You know, if we're oh, just okay, going there for somebody go. that's alive. Very good. Um, so, yeah. so, okay, since Robin Williams is no longer with us. Anybody that looks Brad good in Pitt. leather pants, I think, is Very the guy good. that's going to play me. That's pretty much where I'm going. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. So, you're taking a year off. This question's apropos. If money were no object, mm-hmm. where do you go on vacation with your wife next? You and Susan mm-hmm. off to... Well, there's this, uh, I had a sabbatical about a year and a half ago, and we went to this, for a couple weeks, this little island off of Puerto Rico. That's, uh, it used to be a bombing target for the Navy. Wow. And so they've just in the last like 15 years opened this island up. And it's got like, I shouldn't even tell you about it. I'm not even going to tell secret. you where it is. You're not, not even going to tell, tell you where it is. Don't even tell us the name of they're it. They're like, but they're, you know, so we were there at spring break. So the busiest time yeah, on the yeah. island. 
And one of the beaches, there you know, there are probably 40 beaches on this little wow. island. Maybe 20 miles long and five wow. miles wide. I mean, it's a very small little island. And uh, one of the beaches um, is maybe a half a mile long, kind of a moon-shaped yeah. thing. Beautiful. We were there at spring break, the busiest time. Yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, when things really heated up, uh-huh. we might have seen three people on that, what? Mile, on that half a mile stretch of beach. Oh, wow. It so was, you don't want to tell us where hey, I'm going to get the name after I, we start yeah, recording, it's a okay? Secret thing I'm going to tell you. <laughs> That's good. Okay, um, there is a guy named Morris Gregoire, Doctor Gregoire. Sometimes I forget to say doctor, but he worked hard for this this degree in in comedy. Doctor Morris Gregoire has is publishing or trying to publish a book called Asking Can Be Fun. And as you know, in youth ministry, it's just so valuable to have an awesome question mm-hmm. at the right moment. Yeah. So I always use a, a, a question from from the future book, Asking Can Be Fun. Mm-hmm. And the question it's that Doctor Future Book It's a future it doesn't book doesn't even exist. It, no, yet. well it exists. It's been written. It just hasn't been published. Okay. So so you know, listeners know if they if they you know have a connection for a publisher, let me know. Uh, digital side hug at gmail.com. Actually I think it's the digital side hug at gmail.com the yeah, question well, for you ministry architects will publish it really sure yeah asking can be fun sure that's a great are you idea. serious let's do it oh this is awesome i love this unless this is a stupid question no, well well let's let you be the I'll let's be let you the be judge. the judge okay the question yeah. is this mm-hmm. what sitcom dad has been most influential in your life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now now is, is that a good question or what Mm-hmm. No. Well, yes, it, it really is a, a thought-provoking question because, you know, I, you know, the first person who comes to mind is not really, a, a you know, necessarily a model, but I feel dorky like him a lot. Uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, Phil Dumphy. Oh, uh, yeah. But on Modern Family. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, right. Uh, I, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, sort of perpetually fumbling. Yeah, the bumbling, bungling yeah. father. Yeah. Uh, you know that is beloved, though. You know, yeah, and he's, loved. And yeah, he's, but he never quite knows how how bumbly he is. He thinks he's a lot smarter than he right, is, which is right. probably true for me too. Um, uh, I, you know, how about uh, how about Herman Munster? Uh, okay. I don't know if, if you remember okay. Herman Munster. That's one that some of our li- listeners may not remember. Maybe I should go a little earlier. I mean, a little later from <laughs> the Munsters. Uh, this is yeah. Any any whichever sitcom dad is the most influential in your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how far you go back. You can go to Green Acres. I guess I guess Gibbs in. Uh, uh, in uh, NCIS doesn't really count as a sitcom dad. <laughs> I don't think NCIS is a sitcom. But it's, but you know, but, but, but that, I like that's it. that's your answer. Because, you know, I'm going to go for Gibbs. Let okay. me tell you why. Because he sort of builds this family of people uh, and um, they, solve re- they, they solve really complex problems together because yeah. they're, they all bring a little something different to the table and they're all a little quirky. Okay. That's like cool. my family. I'm going to allow the answer. I'm going to yeah. allow it, I gave it, Mark. you two sitcoms. You did. You you went yeah. for a yeah, a, a number three answer, a number two answer, and then your, but your final answer is Gibbs. I'm going to go for Gibbs. From NCIS. Yeah. And I love the reasoning there. Uh, so how much <laughs> laughing do you do during NCIS? Uh, well, there's usually some giggling going yeah. on. Okay. You know, when Abby, okay. you know, when Abby's doing something or... Uh, uh, Tony, you know, they're just funny I like people. That. Okay, good. Good good answer. Um, I, I'm going to move on now. Final question is yeah. this. Mm-hmm. There's a button in front of you. Mm-hmm. If you press the button, mm-hmm. once a month, 
you don't know when, once a month, your car will not start for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's if you push the button. Yeah. If you do not press the button, then every day at a random moment for 15 minutes, every one that you hear sounds like the teacher from Charlie Brown. Mm. Do you press the button or not? Oh, I totally press the button. Okay, so you're you're landlocked at home or wherever oh, you've that stranded. Is the dream of my life really? to be landlocked at home. It's, yeah. Well, but what if you're what if you're on the go? You stop at McDonald's to get a snack on your way to speak at an event, mm, and the car won't work. That's a problem. But, but yeah. But you choose that over the 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 trombone sound coming from your wife as she's are trying. Are you talking to, about my car? Are you talking about whatever car I'm in? Whatever car you are driving. So what if I'm not driving? What if somebody else is well, driving it me? Doesn't, it doesn't apply. No, Someone no, else is driving. Fine. Somebody else is driving. Okay, so you're pressing the button. Pressing the button. Excellent. Baby. All right. Tell us, how long <laughs> were you a youth pastor? Um, in different capacities, I think we're at 36 years. Wow. 36 years. Yeah. You don't even look 40. No, no, it's true. That's true. Yeah. And, you know, and I... And they let me out of the nursing home. The, my walker is, is in good shape. I got that little storage bin underneath there. That is there. amazing. So, so I, I often ask this, and I don't, know, I don't know that I've ever asked anybody who's been in youth ministry more than 36 years, how did you do it raising a successful family, you know, sustaining a marriage, and doing uh, ministry for 36 years? What, what is a key, the key, or some keys to sustaining that over the years? How did you do it? Well, I, I think it, David, begins with um, acknowledging that you can't get it all done. Um, and every day there is more on your posteriority list than on your priority list. There's more things that you have to procrastinate about than not. Mm-hmm. And um, Andy Stanley talks about choosing to cheat. You're going to cheat somewhere. You're either yeah. going to cheat your family or you're going to cheat your body or you're going to cheat your ministry yeah, yeah. somewhere you got to cheat um so i you know i i didn't always get all my emails answered on time and i you know sometimes it would take me two days to return a phone call yeah, and yeah. um I, I didn't make every meeting um every committee meeting and so there there are places but there so you know just wow. like you i said i'm gonna i'm gonna make jesus the top priority yeah. which you know, uh, I'm sure when all that gets sorted out, it'll be clear that I failed miserably at that. Um, and then I'm going to make my family my second priority, mm-hmm. and then everything else is, is, is you next. know, a distant, distant third. I really love that that your answer to that question is, you know, you you didn't try to do it all. You know, and there I, there's certain rents you got to pay professionally, and so. You know, it's not like I said, hey, listen, I've worked my 40 hours, I'm done. Right. Um, but, but it does take some intentionality at the beginning of every week. One of the things Susan and I did when we first came to Nashville 28 years ago was to uh, create a slot system. So six, so morning, afternoon, and evening, so you got 21 slots every mm-hmm. week. And so I promised her I'd give her six slots a week. And, you know, I failed at that three money. slots a day so you got three slots a day seven days a week uh-huh. that's 21 yeah i promised her i'd give out of that 21 she'd, she'd get, get six. six 
And so it's not like it was six where we were having romantic dinners or we're just <laughs> right. staring in each other's eyes. Sometimes I'm taking a nap and she's working in the yeah. yard. Um, sometimes we're just watching a show. But it's, it's cre- it, I think creating that quali- quantity time yeah. created a fertile ground for, for quality. It, 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 was, it wasn't always successive six slots. I mean, oh, no. So it would be like a Tuesday morning and a Friday night. And then I'd have, you know, I, I do think, you know, I do think, I don't know if you've read Exodus 20 lately, but Exodus 20 has these ten commandments. Yeah, commandments, yeah. right. And this whole idea of the Sabbath, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it's, it's as if our bodies were made to live rhythmically yeah. to have a day, a full 24 hours yeah. of rest. And that's different than a three-hour nap every day. Right. It's 24 hours where we're not available. So um, practicing practicing Sabbath, I think, has uh, been really key to staying in the game. So if I'm hearing this and I think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a Sabbath, but you would also encourage find three other slots yeah. somewhere in the week to give to your family. Yeah. Okay. And so and and that doesn't mean those are the only times off. It's just that I distinguish between porous time off and non-porous time off. So, non-porous time is you can't interrupt. It's a it's an appointment with the president. It's like I'm at the White House for these these 24 hours. Nobody's getting through. You There's can't not get a phone through. call. I'm yeah. not I'm not my phone's on, you know, over there. Right. Theoretically. Right. If I'm really doing it. But um but the porous time is Porous time is flex time. So you you know, as we draw the chart, you know, we make X, and actually in sustainable, we do one of these. So you make X's where there's uh, yeah. it's non-porous, and you make O's where it's porous. So it's it's flex time. So if I got to stay late at the office on those flex time, no no big deal. Right, right. Um, but but I don't fudge on my on my X's. I don't fl- right. fudge on the six slots that I'm given, Susan. Okay. So you don't try to do it all, and then you do. You know, you get jealous over those six slots. Um, any other any other keys to balancing ministry and family for thirty six years? Uh, you know, um, I think I, I think uh, the key to our kids, who are absolutely absolutely astounding young adults now, they're amazing, Jesus loving, right. wild, passionate. Crazy, crazy about them. Uh, All have a heart for ministry. The key to them is that um, we had an incredible church. That's awesome. It looks like you're about to cry. (laughs) I think you're tearing up. I am. So uh, these kids grew up in a place where they had, they were just surrounded by amazing adults that wouldn't stop, yeah. that wouldn't give up on them. and Inside the youth ministry and, and yeah, outside the youth ministry, just all know, over. I remember Lee, when she was 10, she said, who are all these people that know my name? There mm-hmm. was just this, this uh, you know, and it has very little to do with our parenting technique. Mm. Uh, we had them an ecosystem of spiritual health. And they were in a place where when their parents were unhealthy and their parents were exhausted and their parents were cranky and negative, they always knew they had this great cloud of witnesses that was just um, irrepressibly for them. You're about to make me cry. (laughs) And when that happens, 
And so a lot of times I think all this stuff about family-based youth ministry, it becomes an excuse to make parents feel guilty. Yeah. Oh, if you just worked harder, you got better technique and read some more books and went to some more seminars. Really, what when your kids get to be teenagers, give up getting it right. Right. You got to surround them. You got to get some reinforcements yeah. out. And one of the challenges with we homeschool our kids in middle school. And one of the challenges with the, the homeschool community is that it can be so isolating, and parents think it's all up to me. Mm-hmm. So everything upside down pyramids on top of the mom and dad, mm-hmm. and every success is a reason for pride, and every failure is a reason for absolute depression. Despair, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but I, I, I just believe the way God designed us, uh, God didn't design us to do parenting alone. Uh, but uh, in America, that's the way we do it. And, yeah, I think it's a misreading of Deuteronomy 6, frankly, uh, when we say that's a that's a verse for parents. Parents, yeah. It never says. It's community. Yeah. It never says mom and dad impress these things on your children. Right. It says to God's people impress these things on your children. Right. And, um, and I'm going to tell you, I mean, our church is just as messed up as any other church mm-hmm. in town. Um, but... In the, in the mess of that particular environment with real live people loving my real live kids, it was, it was transformative. And they can't imagine their lives not expressing that same sort of, um, you know, unconditional love and regard and ministry for other people. That is such a great endorsement for a, a faith community, not that, they, that they're perfect, that they've got it all right, but, but that in the life of the DeVries family, they were part of a fam- they were part of the family. Yeah. They were part of your family, helping you to raise your son, to raise your daughters, loving them with a love that has produced in them the desire to love, you know, in turn. Twenty years ago when you wrote Family Based Youth Ministry, is that what you had in mind? Or or over the course of the twenty years as you have raised these, you know, kids are, are, have you learned some things that you know you, you you think okay I think maybe I what I meant to say was this or mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. I reimagine what that might should have been or what it can look like now does the question make sense yeah, or yeah. Did I, goof I was that up? I was much more confident in my ability as a parent um, when I wrote family based youth ministry mm-hmm. I just hadn't had nearly enough failures <laughs> right. um, so so 20 years ago Adam was 13 uh, Debbie was eight, and Lee was five. was five. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we, I, I really thought, you know, I'd read a lot of parenting books. Mm-hmm. I just figured if I get the right technique, and you'd been can, in youth ministry sixteen years. Yeah, I'm, I can. I'm a professional. Yeah. And man, the truth is, they thwarted all of my attempts at uh-huh. um, at sort of. Uh, sociali- socializing them into, yeah. uh, you know, being the people I wanted to be. Right. And instead, God didn't give me what I asked for. God gave me what I wanted. Uh-huh. And so I got this great community of people that raised them to be very different than they would have been if they were just, you know, doing what I told them. Right. If you're keeping score, that's three times now that Mark <laughs> has started to tear up over over what God has done, you know, in in his family's life through this church. So youth ministers that are listening to this right now who who are trying to 
you know, maybe maybe they get frustrated with the parents in their church that that won't, you know, maybe be the way that they wish they were. What, what's your your word of advice? I'm trying to figure out what what it is for youth ministers that you're trying to say. You know, is it is it to is it to invite the church body into what's happening in ministry? Is it to you know, what 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 would be some practical suggestions for how to help what happened in your life happen in the lives mm-hmm. of these you know families out here in the churches that are listening uh, to this podcast? Well, I think a lot of it is you got to give up on the ideal. the The ideal is this sort of perfect church where every time you're in worship, you are moved, and the preaching is always amazing, and the music is always just at your heart language, yeah. and and there's never church politics, and nobody's ever criticized. Give up on that. That's not the world that exists. But every church has the potential to do, uh, you know, I mean, you think about stuff grows in compost, and yeah. compost is stinky. <laughs> and you just, you, you let the stinky brokenness of your church be the very thing that creates, I mean, again, using that ecology term, you're creating this this ecosystem of of spiritual health Mm -hmm. and but sometimes i think we particularly when you're younger you sort of think you know the pastor is going to mentor me he's going to be like my dad that i never had and all of that sort of expectations that set us up for a lot of frustration Mm -hmm. as opposed to saying you know i get to be just like my family is broken and and imperfect and messed up and i you know, yell at my kids and do all kind of things. All of those things, um, all, all of those things are uh, the way that God thwarts our confidence in ourselves. So when a parent, yeah. you as a parent or you as a youth pastor, come up against something that your ingenuity or your charisma can't overcome, praise God that God is thwarting your uh, self-dependence. Yeah. And and you say, Lord, there is no way I can do this parenting thing. There's no way I can. If you think you can do youth ministry, you do not understand what you're doing. If you, because we are, we're called into a work that is impossible without the Spirit of God. Right. And, but, but usually we think if we go to enough seminars or we read enough books or we listen to enough brilliant podcasts... <laughs> That we're, read it, yeah. Read read family based or sustainable youth yeah, ministry. Actually, if you buy a specialty. case of them, it is guaranteed to change your life. <laughs> yeah, a and the address the to get that is that's right. Um, but the, but our uh, our very oh, failure great. is what um, our, our sense of being thwarted in our attempts to save ourselves uh, is is the place where the spirit of God shows up, and then we just I just feel like. I, I am so grateful for uh, what God has done that has nothing to do with yeah. I, I don't I, I shake my head and I, I don't know where these babies came from wow. um, but it you know their mama was amazing their dad was a turd most of the time can I say that you're probably gonna <laughs> you have just to cut did, yes. you're gonna have to that's cut the, it out that's the very I'm first sorry. use of that word on this podcast yeah, see you I, didn't even repeat it I want I know the people that are listening <laughs> I want to go back and say again and what you just said and and and, and then we'll we'll transition you want to have what's next. question number two no I, I want to say you just said if you to the to the ministers listening to this podcast and to me if you think you can do youth ministry, then you don't understand what it is you've been called to do. 
Um, I, I want that to sink in for me, you know, because you, you prefaced it with where we get into this job that is impossible without the Spirit of God at work. And, and that, is, that is so critical. I just, I, and I'm, I'm so thankful to hear you say it. But it's um, not impossible to run a cool youth ministry. Boy, that's, that's... It's not impossible to get a bunch of kids to follow us and think hurts. we're awesome. That really right? hurts. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you're like, you're stepping on some of our toes right now because, because we sometimes think our job is, is being super cool and, and getting through to the kid and running a ministry that, that students want to come to. You know, we want to be that church. And God forgive us for, for letting it ever become a goal to be the, the place to be, to, to craft a program that, that becomes the place to be. I just don't ever want that to, to be the goal. And, and, and hopefully every person listening to this podcast um, you know, feels the ouch. There's a moment in What About Bob where he's trying to blame his ex-wife, Bob Wiley. Have you seen What About Bob? Mm. It's, one of my, it's one of my favorites. I usually don't watch movies. I just read the Bible. Oh, yes. I know, Mark. I know. And, and he says, so you're saying that your wife didn't leave you, but that you left her because she liked Neil Diamond. And, and, and Bob goes, ow, ow. You know that? You, oh, okay. You just hit me between the eyes. And I, and I think that that's, <laughs> I think that hits a lot of us. I think that, you know, a lot of us get caught up in wanting to be cool and wanting to make, you know, wanting to make the difference. Oh, that's, that's, that's important. What we do is impossible without the power of God at work. And if, and if our goal is possible, if, we, if it's possible for us to do it then, it, then it's not youth ministry. Come on. That's good. Man, um, we're, we're pretty close to, I know you've got to go in, in five minutes or so. Um, is there anything else you want to say about that? Or, or you know, I was going to take us around to sort of the future of youth ministry, but maybe this yeah. is a segue. Yeah, let me let me just give you one other one other uh, shift that I would make from family-based youth ministry, um, and this really came from Adam. You know, I've uh, you've probably seen the the web. You know, sort of this constellation mm-hmm. of relationships, and you put the kid in the middle, and there's as opposed to the camp counselor model where you have the youth leader and the kid. Yeah, it's very fragile. You build this web of relationships around the kid. Well. Adam, you know, as as our children are, are want to do, Adam said, "Dad, I, I don't buy that. I don't, I don't, I, don't, I think you're wrong there." And, really? Uh, yeah. And I How said, old was he at the time? Well, you know, couple, was he was he working years, as a youth minister? A couple years ago. Yeah. Okay, got it, got it, got it. And uh, <laughs> I, said, I wasn't sure if this was your middle school son saying no, that. No, I don't. No, buy. <laughs> no, no, this is my brilliant, <laughs> yeah, my yeah, brilliant seminarian at the time. So he um, he said, "I I don't think the kid belongs in the middle." said that that just sort of uh, reinforces the natural narcissism of mm. adolescence the kid ought to be on the outside a part of the worshiping community still whipped into everybody else but Christ is in the center mm. and as we are together surrounding the throne the kid is webbed into that the kid is part of the web part of the web but they're not the center of the uh-huh. web yeah I think it's pretty good that's awesome not, not bad for a punk <laughs> That's right. Good work, Adam. Good work. That's so, great. Um, you know, the other nuance is I think um, I think the focus, uh, and a lot of people disagree with me about this, but I think the focus of family-based youth ministry 
ought to be on the nuclear family up until your kid hits adolescence. And then at that point, the focus is on the nuclear family taking those next six or eight years to pass the baton, not to the kid, but to an extended Christian family. Okay, the community. To the community of faith, to the church. Yeah. And so that our one of our key, we call it stacking the stands. One of our key strategies is when you are a parent of an adolescent, build this network of people so your kids automatically have this appetite for for community, yeah. for mentors, so that as soon as when they leave home, they immediately are longing for it and intentionally seeking out. It just they can't. It just feels incomplete. Like you're saying about your own son and your own daughters, they're they're just they just have to have this same connection they always yeah. felt. Yeah. So like when Adam and Sarah got married, they and then Debbie and Trey did the same thing. They uh, sought out ten or fifteen couples mm-hmm. and just said, "Okay, tell us." everything we need to know about being married and took them all out you know had a special little yeah. you know interview with each one and they called them their marriage mentors so they had counseling but they also yeah uh, but that's that sort of proclivity for building your own extended family feels like it gives kids agency in other words they're they're no longer just recipients of ministry they are the agents of yeah. ministry um, and because I think sometimes when you have a really cool youth program, has awesome small groups, awesome worship, awesome teaching, we train our kids to be really um, sophisticated consumers of spiritual services. Mm-hmm. And and they have a high, it's like once you've tasted Starbucks, youth you don't want to. I was just thinking coffee snob. You know, you literally, don't, literally. You don't want to go to Texaco and yeah. get their coffee anymore for a dollar because you want to pay four dollars for a real cup of coffee. So, so, we're, so we're breeding church ministry snobs, right? So, so as soon as they graduate, they're looking for. I mean, I mean, you've had them. I've had them. Yeah. They come home from college and they think they're complimenting us. There's no church like I, I didn't find yeah, a church like right. yours. I couldn't or, find a youth yeah. group. I mean, ours was so. Uh, and there's no, huh, there's no Otter Creek. Yeah. Wow. There, and anyway, so that moves us into the future of youth. Yeah, sure. so that's right. <laughs> uh, that, it does. It is. It, it does feel like a compliment, but it is sad. It's a. It's a sad. It's a. It is a tragedy that if if we graduate students that can't find a place to connect to wherever they go because what we did was so great. That's yeah. devastating to the to their, their future, you know, existence and community. So what is the future of youth ministry in, in your opinion? And and it's three o'clock right now. <laughs> well I've got uh, yeah, I got several thoughts. Um I, I, I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the data wrong at least the year but i think something like between by by the year 2020 or 23 over half of the births in in america are going to be non-white most youth ministry has been designed for the white middle class kid and uh and most youth ministry training has been designed for that and um and i think we are going to be moving into the minority and we can either get our heads around how can we partner with the people who are going to be the real they're going to be on the front lines Mm -hmm. so the asian the asian youth leaders the hispanic youth leaders the african-american youth leaders the the refugee the rwandan youth leaders they're the next champions yeah and and we sort of are 
we have isolated ourselves into a primarily dominant culture mm-hmm. kind of way of thinking about ministry. And, you know, I, I think that's a dying dragon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was challenged this past week by an African-American friend. We were in a group of youth pastors, and she said, um, I challenge you to pull out your phone and tell me how many non-white people you have in your cell phone who are <laughs> that you could call yeah. naturally and you got a relationship with. Yeah. And and we don't think about it. It's not like we're we're being prejudiced. It's just Absolutely. The, it's not the circles we're running in. But if we if we really want to bless the future of youth ministry, I think we got to step out of the But I think we yeah. become servants of the future of ministry by uh, by listening to, investing in, partnering with um, the folks that are going to be the future of ministry. I, I, I kind of understand when you say most of youth ministry has been geared toward, you know, the, the dominant culture uh, in America over the over the past several years. I'm, I'm trying help, help me understand more about exactly what that looks like. Well, I think it it looks like um, us building intentional bridges. It's not. I think we're all open. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, if some you know if somebody of a different ethnic group comes over and says hey let's be friends great we'll be friends absolutely but if, if we look at your daytimer and my daytimer yeah there's not a lot of time spent building bridges and intentionally intentionally uh into that world and um if we want to think about where the future youth ministry is going um i think we can the best way we can support that is by building these okay um, pulling out of our ghetto which is an affluent ghetto right but pulling out of of just like us and being deliberate about building those friendships okay Uh, it reminds me of uh is it the song invisible by you two that says you know there there is no us or there is no there is no them there is only us and and uh and i I love that idea when i when i hear that song I, i i like it i typically think of youth ministry I, t- I think of the circles that form on a sunday yeah. morning where it's it's me and the people i feel comfortable with and then everybody else yeah. and and that song would suggest i think something similar to what you're saying which is you know in our churches on a sort of church global sense um we've got to quit circling up with with just our own best friends that that go to the same school we do and, and speak the same language that we do yeah. or or think think along the same lines or in, dress the same way and expand that to recognize there is no them. You know, there there is only us. But it it's not a matter of of us sort of mentoring or investing in or um, kind of a top down approach. It's not. We've got the answers. Let us teach you. You've got the. They've got the answers. Yeah. yeah. They, they've got the answers to how to reach the majority population of the future, and we want to come alongside them because we have the concern for the gospel and the, mm-hmm. the spreading of the work of the kingdom. They're the ones that are the experts. Yeah. I think a lot of times we come in and we say, you know what? You need me. You need my brilliance and my help mm-hmm. and all my strategy and my curriculum and my... <laughs> As opposed to saying, we got to create a reciprocal partnership. I, I need you probably more than you need me. Mm-hmm. And until we get that, we're just... Um, we're just playing into this sort of, uh, sort of mutual using, like we're going to go on a mission trip, so we yeah. can use the poor people that as a way for to, our kids to look at them like they're zoo animals and say, "Look how happy they are! Yeah. They're so cute. They don't have anything, but they're so happy." Mm-hmm. Well, um, we got to get out of this sort of top-down thing and mention to these reciprocal partnerships. 
Okay. I, I, I appreciate you talking about that. Anything else about the future of youth ministry and, and, and specifically with regard to our churches and paid positions and things like that? Uh, yeah. So, well, so many things we could talk about the future of youth ministry. I think the biggest, sort of my next 15 years, uh, God willing, I, I want to be focused on reimagining the economics of youth ministry. Um, because I'm pretty clear that churches are going to be out of money in about 20 or 30 years. Hmm. And, the, you know, we're doing a better and better job training youth pastors for positions that won't exist in about 20 wow, years. okay. And we're getting master's degrees and all these people with majors in youth ministry, and which is fabulous, except for the fact that they're not going to be full-time jobs for them. And, and you, and you base that, are there studies that would suggest that our churches won't, won't have the money or that... Or, or are we just, I mean, what, what do you base that on? Yeah, let me, uh, tell me if this makes sense to you. Our kids are maybe generous, but they are generous causally, not institutionally. Okay, I, I see where you're going. So they'll give to Young Life or FCA or just Justice Mission or, you know. Blood Water Mission or whatever. Or, yeah, Living Water Project, they'll give to Tom's Shoes. Yeah. Souls for Souls. Yeah, loose change to loosen chains. Yeah. But they will. But not so much. <laughs> think about the kids in, in our yeah. youth groups. How much are they putting in the offering plate? Well, and we are counting on them, and as they move into their 20s, they have developed the habit of responding to pleas and really good yeah. fundraising. And as the number of nonprofits multiplies, mm-hmm. the opportunities for giving causally multiplies. Okay. And my generation dies, and then your generation dies. And, and, and their generation are the ones that our churches you know, are looking for to sustain our large budgets. But they want to give their money right. to causes that are making a difference in, in, in other parts of the world. Or it'll take three or four of them to replace wow. one of us. That, that, okay, all right. So, so in fifteen, so let's say you're right. That does make sense to me, by the way. So, fifteen years from now, we're having trouble, you know, continuing to pay youth minister salaries. How do we do youth ministry then without without paid youth ministers like me? What are we going to do then, Mark? Oh, the- without guys like us. What? How is this possible? Charles, church is going to be in a world of hurt, let me tell you. Well, um, I think we've got to find other ways to fund people. I, 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 the work needs to be done. Yeah. If we don't find another way to fund it, and the reason I'm so passionate about this, if we don't find a way to fund it and we just expect volunteers to pull it off, we'll go the way of Europe. Okay. And we'll have... Post, post-Christian. Post-Christian, and we'll use buildings like this, and we'll rent them out for condo space mm-hmm. or office buildings um, or restaurants, um, as, they do, as they do in Europe. Community centers, yeah. Um, and so, um, so I do think the work... I, I, I'm not fudging on the critical importance of people leading and being trained to do youth ministry. Trained youth ministers. Got to do it. Is different from professional youth ministers? No, no, it's the same, same okay, thing. So you, but, uh, but we've got to find a way to pay them that doesn't depend on tithes and offerings. Okay. So I've started this thing called the Joseph Project, another little project called Ministry Incubators. But it's all about the, the idea is, um, you know, Joseph interpreted the dream that Pharaoh, Pharaoh had the dream that the famine is coming. Uh-huh. And oh uh, yeah, so he's seeing years off. The famine's coming. We can do something, do something today that will change the course of history. We're at that time right now. Okay. So for, for the next fifteen years, what you're going to be doing is helping churches prepare for that. There's a famine coming. We, you know, we can either go. 
duh, I wonder why are we so surprised? We're going to be surprised. The church is going to be totally surprised, but but we know it today. Right. So can we prepare? So my, my huh. suggestion is, here's my, here, I just, I'll float this little guarantee out. Um, with Joseph Project, part of what we're doing is I'm, I'm challenging people, spend five hours a day, I mean five hours a week, a tithe of your time, spend five hours a week for 10 years building a business that will support your ministry. Build a sustainable enterprise that will support your ministry. Not tent making. Tent making is I'm going to be a plumber and every minute I'm plumbing, I'm not, right. I'm not doing ministry. This is I'm building an asset and that asset will fund me for the rest of my life after I build it for 10 years. Five hours a week, 10 years, I, you know, I hadn't, hadn't done it long enough to know, but I'm right. pretty sure that we can get you to a place that you can be spitting out $50,000 a year at the end of that 10 years. Huh. And that can fund folks. In so I'm doing a lot of coaching with folks to get their little businesses started. So, so a, with me, you we would begin talking about what that business would be or what, yeah. what, what I might want to do with... Yeah. Okay. So you say, oh, it's bivocational. No, no, no. Think about... Think about your IV staff people or your crusade staff people. or You know, these folks are raising money. It's part of their job. Yeah. They're raising money forever. Right. Every year, the rest of their life, as long as they're on staff, they're raising money. Everything, yeah. I'm saying take that same amount of time when the church is paying you. <laughs> uh-huh. Take that same amount of time. Build a little lawn care business. Build a little T-shirt company. Build a little real estate, uh-huh. you know, rental property, something, something. Um, build a ministry like Ministry Architect. Do something that can fund okay. you in ministry for the rest of your life, and you're not one more nonprofit out there with your hands out. Because if our churches look around and are surprised by this in 10 years, youth ministries and youth ministers, you know, both employed and employable graduates of our seminaries will 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 be paying the price. Yeah. Um, trained to do youth ministry, but unable to sustain a to 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 do it. You know, to have the time. To invest in and to lead, uh, that's that is challenging. Um, I'm I'm interested to know, and you know, just how how well is this being received out there in the world of youth ministry? Like when you when you talk about this, are people going, ah, I don't, I don't think so. We're going to be fine, or do people say, Mark, you're right. Let's do something. Oh no, people agree, but most of them are happy just to go. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Okay, have a nice day. But I don't, you know, I don't have time for more than more than a handful of people anyway. Right, right. So I got plenty of folks that are ready to start their thing, and we're we're working some really exciting stuff. So if somebody's listening and is really impressed by this idea and wants to explore this with you, how do they reach you? Mark at ymarchitects.com. Mark at ymarchitects.com. Yeah. Or six one five four two four two three zero four. Hey, it's our first. Uh, first just call me on my cell phone. First baby. cell phone number. I'll be right there. I, Mark, I literally, for the six people listening, I think they can all call me. <laughs> I think it'll be just fine. Now, I told him it was probably three, but you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna force your son to listen to this, aren't you? And and his his marriage group. I'm, well, I'm gonna, gonna pay him to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, this has been fun. Certainly, the entire you know just the reason we're I'm doing this podcast is because I. There are people like you out there that I want to hear talk about these things. And and so if no one listens to this, it's been a blessing to me. It really has. At this point in the podcast, I usually hit some music and, and do an actual hug. I hope that's okay with you. Right. Uh, Mark. We're hugging. 
we're going to in just a moment. I want I, to tell you first. I feel uncomfortable and Thank awkward you. about this. Well, thing I'll, right now. I'm going to make it painless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ever since I met Jim Frost, who told me that you were the real deal, uh, I, you, you know, I have been blessed to to be a kind of friend watching you do ministry. Uh, thank you for the time today. Thank you for sharing your heart. Uh, you're the first person to, to shed tears on the podcast, <laughs> and it's a real blessing. So I love you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. A hug with Mark DeVries. It, All right, we'll it see. It wasn't you. even a side hug. I mean, it was like a total frontal yeah, assault. It was. It, it was, was a frontal assault. I'm, I'm so uncomfortable right uh, now. We will see you next time on the digital side hug. Yes, we will. No, I, you won't see me. Not, not Mark, but, no, but I will. Because I'm never coming back after this. <laughs> I've been removed.